Oh, maybe it's... Hello, good evening, and welcome to the All Portable Discussion Zone. I am uh, Charlie, November Juliet 7 Victor, and uh, this is a bi-weekly live stream all about radio portable ops for amateur radio. Uh, with me this evening are the show's two co-hosts, Brian, W7JET, and Ooh. Dan, KC7MSU. Good afternoon. And we are also uh, pleased to have with us this evening um, Ariel. And Ariel uh, comes to us from the East Coast. Of course, we have also the uh, everybody that's in the chat room. Welcome to you as well. We're happy you all could join us, and uh, I think we have a great show tonight. So uh, let's go ahead and get, go around the room and just uh, see what everybody's been up to this last uh, couple of weeks. I don't know who I started with last time, but uh, let's go with Brian. So let's see, what have, I, what have I been up to? Well, I have not been able to get out and do any portable ops. I've actually been got back to work, had my uh, first week in the real airplane last week. Um, still can manage to fly the thing, so that's a good thing. Um, been working on some stuff around the house. Actually been really busy with um, some repeater issues with the local radio club that uh, both Charlie and uh, Dan and I are members of. In fact, the last two days I've been out at the repeater site working with everybody. Got everything finally up and running the way it's supposed to be with some backup equipment. And that's about it. Got some flying to do tomorrow and maybe Wednesday I might go up and do uh, one of the low hanging fruit easy or well not easy but easy to get to as far as driving distance is concerned summits and um and uh, get up on a mountain before i go back out again to work for another week so that's all i got going on right now cool back to you charlie all right thanks brian all right dan what you have going on lately well let's see i finally got back out onto a mountain did uh, uh sunset summit last weekend and uh, it was a really wonderful day out there in flagstaff it was actually a little bit warm uh for the day but uh it was a great hike up and uh really enjoyed it and uh finally got caught up on my soda logs so that's uh that's always a good thing yeah for sure right i i actually just got caught up on mine recently too <laughs> all right well so i have been um you, most of you who watch probably know my, sandy and i my wife and i went to, to the grand canyon uh what was it last weekend and we hiked to the bottom of the grand canyon eight miles uh, four over four thousand feet of an elevation drop, and and hung out there a couple a couple of days. Spent the night there camping, and uh, uh, we hiked to the Colorado River and saw the uh, Hermit Rapids, and uh, it was a great time. Ch tested out some new backpacking gear, and I tried to get on the air um, with uh, Parks on the air, no contacts at all. You can watch the video uh, in my YouTube channel uh, that, that I put out on that. So, and then this last weekend, just uh, just on Friday. I uh, did another activation. I went up to Wilson Mountain in Sedona. And that was actually really hard, too. It was almost eight miles round trip, seven and a half miles round trip, and a little over 2,000 feet of elevation gain. So I've been kind of pushing it lately, trying to get a little bit uh, of exercise. So I've been kind of busy, but uh, had fun. So with that, let's turn it over to Ariel. Uh, Ariel is uh, our guest tonight, and uh, he uh, has a lot of interesting things. I, 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 you know, I went out to the East Coast. I went out to Georgia to visit family, and uh, when I was out there, I, I met a guy named uh, Doug uh, N4HNH, and he had one of Ariel's antennas, and that's kind of what got me got me on uh, uh, doing a little research about Ariel and trying to figure out who he was and. So we have him on board here now. So Ariel, what you been up to the last little bit? Well, the last couple of weeks I've been busy as well. Um, 
Well, we had a death in the family, so that got me tied up with, with family affairs. I'm sorry to hear and that. Other than that, I've been working on antennas, uh, working on a prototype that's really promising. It's a like 96% efficient transformer for my infant half wave. That's going to be the next wave. So that I'll be sharing some of that stuff too later. Okay. Good. Yeah, share share some information on that then, huh? Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Cool. Well, yeah, hey. I haven't had any activations in the last three weeks. My last activation, I can't remember, uh, was um, Springer Mountain. I was in Springer Mountain oh. not too long ago, maybe a month ago. Yeah. It's, it time flies. I did Springer Mountain before. Nice place. And then I did Gooch after that. You, I don't know if you did Gooch when you were out there. In, no. Uh, no, I haven't done that. Um, that yet. was a bushwhack. It's a bushwhack. Well, don't I don't want to do it then. All those briars, man, bloody me up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, hey, first of all, let me just say I'm 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 sorry to hear about the death in your family, uh, whoever that was. Hopefully, uh, everybody's doing okay considering the circumstances. Um, so let's go ahead and get going. Then, do you want to bring up your slideshow? Sure. I guess let me sh let me sh try to share. All right. Share screen. And go into slideshow mode, I guess. There we go. Yep. There it is. Hi, uh, good morning, folks. Again, my, my name's Ariel. Uh, Ariel for some people. Um, I have two call signs, NY4G and VY2AJ, also have a Canadian license. And uh, it's a picture of Grandfather Mountain where I had my 100th unique summit back in uh, 2019. Nice. It's got the profile of an old man. Uh, you see, that's sort of the nose right there. I don't know if you can see my cursor. Uh-huh. And uh, it's uh, it's... A, I took the Daniel Boone Scout Trail when I went up, and it's a lot of elevation gain. It's about six miles out and back, I believe. So um, I try try to cover a little bit of my background, my some of my amateur radio history, what I did as a profession, and um, my portable operations experiences, and. Um, I'll go a little bit into, I, I did a DX expedition to St. Pierre and Miquelon back in 2015. That was a solo where I had to go on a boat and uh, one of those inflatable rafts to get on an island. Are you um, kidding me? Wow. And then I did some portable operation in Turkey. Uh, I was out there for work and I, I always take my radio with me when I go international. Uh, and then, of course, my summits on the air experience and my ascent to mountain goat and some notable soda activations. And uh, I have my own uh, YouTube channel called Captain Radio Adventures. And I try to capture some of the beauty of the hikes that we have here in the southeast uh, and some of the radio that goes with that. So it's wow. both scenery and, uh, and uh, radio. Huh, I didn't know that you had a and YouTube I, channel, Ariel, so I'll have to grab that uh, channel and put it in the in the show notes. Yeah, and please subscribe. I don't have a big following just as of yet. It's just growing slowly, but it's been growing a little bit better uh, of late. And then I, I also developed the NY4G NFED half wave that you, uh, that you discovered through Doug. 
and what it is. And we have about 46 people now using the same antenna. And Charlie, you mentioned something about exploring what my interests are in woodworking and how that dovetails into amateur radio. Yes, I wanted to know about that because I, in, woodworking is an interest of mine as well. Okay. And uh, that's about that for that slide. And so my background, I was licensed in 2010. Uh, that seems like forever ago, but in reality, it's only like 10 years ago. Um, and as a, a, a career as a mechanical design engineer in turbine design. Um, and I did that for about 34 years. Was that and, here in the United States? Uh, yeah, I worked for General Electric. Um, they make uh, land-based gas turbines for generating electric power. And my specialty is aeromechanics. Uh, it's uh, interlacing of structural mechanics and aerodynamics, which is um, somewhat removed from amateur radio, but there's some overlap there. Um, I come from a DXing background. So I've done a lot of DX in my 10 years as a ham. I've got nine band DXCC, um, 312 countries. I also do a, lot, do a lot of QRP DXing. I've got 180, 179 countries. I think I, when I submitted QRP ARCI, they, they only endorsed me for 179. And then uh, when I went to a, a trip to Canada, I went to Prince Edward Island and we took part in uh, the EU HF championship from there in, a, in a, one of those super stations that have like half a million dollars worth of radio and antenna equipment on it. And we placed first. Uh, I was a part of a four-man team. Wow, congratulations. And then after that trip to Prince Edward Island, I, instead of going back home, I went straight to uh, St. Pierre and Miquelon and went to Nova Scotia first, got on a plane and landed in, uh, in, in St. Pierre. That's most of my uh, contacts were made from the island of St. Pierre. And then I, I took one day and I took the boat and that's where that picture is. I took a boat, uh, one of those hydrofoils, but they don't have a, they don't, you can't dock. There's no short dock to. So you get on one of these inflatable boats and I had like 70 pounds of radio gear, antennas and radios that I, I, I sort of lugged around and put on this picnic table. See, how did you get the picnic table there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was there. <laughs> <laughs> And then, It'd be great if it was inflatable. Yeah. And I, my antenna was um, this um, crank IR. You can see that in the foreground. And um, right next to the shore, those verticals are terrific. Even laying down on the ground, they work. Ask me how I know. <laughs> how do you know? Did it blow over? It blew, blew over. I was still making contacts after it blew over. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> And then in 2016, I entered a CQDX marathon and I missed fifth place by one QSO. So wow. I only got sixth place. I made, uh, I think I made 190, 165 DXCC contacts that year. And then in, in the following year, I, I entered the DX marathon again, but this time I entered on, in, in top band, 160 meters. I placed seventh worldwide. 
And then in 2018, which is just three years ago, three, four years ago, um, Scott Carter um, introduced me to soda. Actually, I've known soda all along, but I, it, it wasn't until he took me out on a, on a soda uh, activation that I got hooked on. And from then on, I was hooked. Oh, yeah. That's the way to do it, right? <laughs> yep. So uh, that fall of 2018, I, I think I started in October. Um, I started on a tear to try to get the mountain goat as quickly as possible. And I got the mountain goat in 8.9 months. Um, at the time, it was a record uh, for North America, for a North American. And uh, I think Richard Brown broke it last year. Still, that is, that's amazing. Congratulations on that. It took me over a year and a half, I think. Yeah, that's nor what normal people do. <laughs> Actually, oh boy, I fall I outside the, of those norms. Is a, a year and a half is even fast. I think the average is over two years worldwide. I did some of the statistics um, and that's how I found out where I was. So portable radio operation, I'm, I've been um, doing field days now since 2016. And uh, 2017 was when I captained my, uh, uh, my uh, amateur radio club and we did well. Uh, that was the best until last year. I didn't captain last year, but because of the pandemic, uh, we scored, we were like second place in the whole country for two-way. Your, your club scored second? Second, I think, I believe it's second in the country. There was one, one other station, I think maybe in Vermont that beat us. Huh. Or maybe it was second in the Roanoke region of the ARL. Still, uh, that's, that's, that's significant, good job. Yeah, we had like, uh, it was a lot of points. I can't remember it off the top of my head now. We're always happy if we just show up on the scale. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I've, I've also done field day camping, and that's, so I'm familiar with portable operation. That's why soda became second nature to me, because I've been doing a lot of portable operation anyway. And I did national parks on the air when that was the thing. Now it's just parks on the air. I haven't done too much of it yet, um, but um, it would be worth getting back into that too. And then I mentioned my expedition to St. Pierre and Miquelon. And then I, I had some portable operation in Turkey. Um, this was an interesting story here. Uh, talk about hams being uh, somewhat um, resourceful and I was told that the windows didn't open in Turkey. I, was, I happened to be on the 33rd floor of a hotel. And so um, I took a mag loop with me thinking that the windows don't open anyway. So I had this mag loop, but it didn't really work that well because it was indoors and probably all the metal in the building uh, just didn't make it work all that well. So, uh, and then I found out the windows opened. So I can hang <laughs> outside the window. And so I went to the local hardware store and bought the longest piece of extension cord that I could find and stripped the, the wires from inside the extension cord and um, hooked that up to my KX3. And lo and behold, I have an antenna. <laughs> I had the counterpoise inside the hotel while the radiator was hanging out the window. Um, 
At the time, I, I was told I might have been doing something. If if somebody had spotted me doing that, I, I maybe I could have been in trouble, but I, I didn't. I didn't yeah. get in trouble. What way were you facing when you uh, threw it out the window? Well, the, when I, I was facing Russia, ah. so I made a lot, a lot of Russian contacts. Uh-huh. Was it really and difficult to I be went, able to operate I, there? I, no, not really. Um, I mean, I could make contacts. Uh, and I was allowed by the by the rules to have to actually use a TA3 call sign. And um, I think when I checked in again, I changed rooms. I went to the side facing the U- U.S. I made a contact with a, one of the local members of my club, um, W4KA. And so I made a couple of contacts to the U.S. from just my five watts or whatever I was putting out from, from the hotel room. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. Just throw a wire out the window and away you go. Yeah. So Summit's on the air. Um, so this has been my thing now for the past three years. And that's what I've been doing a lot. And my first activation was in October uh, 2018. Um, and then I took on a personal challenge of trying to get 100 unique summits in a year, which I then uh, uh, completed. I also made that into a book project. So there's a book now out on Amazon uh, called The 100 Unique Summit Challenge that oh, I documented, okay. sort, of, sort of like a documentary of the- Wow, of it's, the, so you're an author. Yeah, That's I'm an awesome. author. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. And so um, I've been activating either solo, but I'm about half of the time, maybe less than half of the time, Scott went with me a lot, and uh, uh, KE4EA, uh, Dave Ivy came with me 14 times, and K2JB five times. Dean, and Dean, then Pat. And Pat. And then I've been with, uh, uh, been with Doug as well, maybe just a couple of times, and uh, another one of the Georgians, um, uh, K, um, KC4WZB, uh, he's, he's a good guy. And so I got my mountain goat stripes in 2019 and Mount Sterling was, was my uh, goat summit. And I did that with, uh, with Dean and Dean and Scott. And it took me 97 summits to reach mountain goat. I wanted to do it in less than a hundred summits. And I achieved that goal. Yeah. Not very many people do it in less than a hundred. No, you have have to have, uh, you have to have 10 point summits and, or, Bonus points, right? Right. I think the rec- there's VK3IL, I think, did it in 90 summits. But I, he d- did it over a longer period of time. And in September 21st, I did Grandfather Mountain, which was my 100th unique summit. I think I'm up to 120 uniques now and uh, 85 completes. Uh, let me just ask you real quick. There's a question in the chat going back to the other thing about did you need permission to operate in Turkey? And I think you answered that no, it's just kind of a the agreement we have, the international agreement, right? Right. And then it, it, was it difficult to, to get through that process? Obviously, no, because you just can do it. And then I wanted to mention, did, did, did you get, when you got your GOAT, were you 100% complete or 100% uh, unique, I should say? Uh, no. Um, when I got my mountain goat, I was I did not get um, 
I did like Mount Mitchell twice. Oh, they were okay. they weren't all unique summits. Okay, gotcha. I think there's one guy in 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 Sevenland that's done unique all unique summits for uh, to to get the mountain goat. Well, I did. I got. I I don't think I'm the only one, but I was 100 uh, percent unique to get mountain goat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's that's not easy to do it <laughs> in uh, hundred unique in 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 all unique summits because uh, Mount Mitchell was sort of an easy summit to activate, and so I took advantage of that. Sure. Yep. In hindsight, that may have been an, a nicer goal for me to do it in uh, all unique summits. Mm -hmm. So notable soda activations. I did a bushwhack of Hang Rock with Scott, and I have a YouTube video on it. And that's a beautiful summit. You can see Grandfather Mountain from the top. Um, there's the YouTube channel. It's a rarely activated bushwhack. And then I went on, um, this was organized by, by Pat Harris. Uh, we did Breakneck Ridge and Hyatt Ridge in Smokies. And there were seven of us. And what we did was we broke up into two teams. One would go to Breakneck Ridge. One, the other team would go to Hyatt Ridge. And then we'd all camp out and meet at the same campground. And the next day we swap, swap summits and we'd get completes by doing that. Um, and that was, uh, that was hard because they were both bushwhacks and it was a lot of miles. Um, I think it was maybe 15 miles over two days. Wow. There's a video of that too. And then Grandfather Mountain, and there's, I made a YouTube video of that. I've done a, a, a few, maybe just a handful of bike divations. I call them bike divations, where you go <laughs> up to the mountain summit with a with a bicycle, and that was an experience. Yeah, Mount you know what? I've wanted to do that before, Ariel. I, I haven't ever done it, but I've I know uh, Chris and one CLC in California has done it, and I'm sure many others have too. But that's something I've never done. It looks interesting. How, uh, yeah, tell us more about that one. Well, Mount Mitchell was the was the tougher one. It was my first one as well, so I trained hard for it. Um, and my goal was not to go over 140 beats per minute because uh, I'm an older guy, so my maximum heart rate is is depressed by 212 minus my age. I'm not going to reveal my age, but it's somewhere around 156 or so. And so I was. Um, um, halfway up the summit, I was borderline blowing up. Um, <laughs> your, your valve I was just, about ready to... I just, I just kept it steady and made it to the top. I just backed off <laughs> and just kept the bike from falling over, basically. Um, Mount Sterling was my mountain goat activation. And here's my other activation. It's, it's Klingman's Dome. And that's an 11 and a half kilometer ride to the top. It's a little bit easier ride because there's a big uh, false flat in the middle where you can sort of relax. Uh, relax. It's, it's, it's not really flat. It's still uphill, but a lot less uphill until yeah. you get to the, to the end. Uh, Klingman's Dome was, was a nice bike, bike duration too. That's cool. So I noticed that you have on that last slide, the one just before, uh, you had a bunch of uh, links for each of your um, YouTube channels. That there, yeah. You know, if you save this slide deck, if you want to share it with others, if you save this on Google Docs or something and send me the link, I'll put the link in the show notes so people can, you know, grab those and take a look at them. Oh, sure. I can do that. Okay, cool. I can put it into a public folder like uh, 
Um, and then the link would be in my public folder in my Dropbox. Yeah. If, the, if they click the link, then they'll get to the. However you want to do it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then um, I'm always been interested in antennas. And being an engineer, I'm always trying to optimize everything, right? So that's what engineers do. They 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 get something, and if there's not a problem, they make a problem and solve the problem. <laughs> and so um, I've always wanted an antenna where everything's integrated and my idea of an integration is having the winder and transformer in the same package so because of the winder separate you end up losing it and so if you wind everything in the same package like your even your feed line and then everything's just bundled up with this little uh, shock cord and this, so this is the transform box and that's also one of the things that uh, commercial transformers don't have is, is uh, a, something for a counterpoise connection. Um, if you ever get um, RF in coming back to your rig, which you hardly ever get with a, with a good and resonant and fed halfway because the reflection, uh, the reflections are really low when you have good SWR. Um, and so uh, I came up with this idea of integrating the, the trans form box and uh, and the winder. The other thing that's, you, you can either get a, one of the high power NFEDs um, or QRP NFED like from LNR, but you, you don't really get anything in between. So if you have a guy doing single sideband as a SOTA operator wants to operate with 40, 50 watts, you can't really use those LNR transform boxes because they're not, they're not robust enough but these transform boxes that I, that I do are, are good for uh, uh, 60 watts side, sideband. Um, and so, um, and they're reasonably efficient as well. So I, I've had people have good experience with them. Scott has used it a lot. Uh, I think he's probably got, has about a thousand QSOs on his now. Um, so so what's, what's coming up for um, and what's under development now is, uh, is a higher efficiency QRP antenna system in a hundred watt, a real hundred watt antenna system too. So I'm developing both at the same time. And they're using a different type of core um, with a better, more optimum surface to volume ratio. And that's how you get your, your efficiency above 90%. And so on this chart, my latest antenna has uh, an efficiencies approaching 96, 97% for most of the band. So the x-axis is frequency. It doesn't drop down to 92% until you hit 10 meters. And so in this other line here, this lower line at 90%, that's the LNR uh, EFT transformer. And this, this um, dashed line is what I've been producing, uh, my special purpose transformer, which is a little bit more efficient than the LNR, but then it drops off at the higher frequencies, which we hardly ever use these days. So I didn't feel so bad about that. Um, so Impressive. Some, yeah. These are just some of the SWR sweeps that I use using my uh, antenna analyzer or nano DNA. And so that's, it's, 
it's my some of my engineering fun carrying not now that i'm retired i still feel like i want to be an engineer somehow once an engineer always an engineer if you, yep. if you got the knack so yep. do you use the nano vna pretty much so for everything now um well i do use it a lot for um, evaluating the efficiencies so i get both swr plus i get the losses i i i measure the losses in the system using the nano vna which is you know really good at that because it's a directional in both phase and uh, and uh, magnitude can be measured with a nano DNA. Um, so that's about it for my official slides. I just have some extra slides for people who might want to ask what's in my pack, what do I use for radios and things like that. Oh yeah, people will be interested in that for sure. Absolutely. So just a sampling of uh, my favorite radio is the KX2. And the K1 and the LNR MTR3B are, uh, or now it's a 4B, um, are probably my, my other go-to antennas. But KX2 is what I take to the summits most of the time. I would say even 70, 80% of the time. Um, my favorite antenna, for the longest time, I've been using the, the LNR. Um, these days, I, I use the trap one, but... Um, because there are trap losses, I'm, I'm vacillating now between my regular link, uh, link and fed half wave and, and the trap. Yeah, that's I I uh, it's, I am always vacillating back and forth between those two as well. You know, there's a the loss, but is it that much loss? But uh, uh, back and forth. <laughs> At the end yeah. of the day, it doesn't really matter. You make QSOs either way, right? So yeah. I think it's just a matter of convenience. Do you value the convenience or do you feel like you have to put out as much power as possible? Yep. At the end? <laughs> and, and sometimes it really doesn't save you all that much in, in length, uh, sometimes anyways. So all those things are big factors for it. Yeah, my, my trap one shortened it by a good 10 feet. I think, no, maybe eight feet. Yeah, like you said, it's not really that much shorter. It's not like it reduced it down to 40 feet. No, it's still, it's still close to 60 feet, right? I use um, a soda beams carbon six mast, and I use Gaia GPS these days. Oh um, yeah, and uh, one CLC Chris, he loves out. He's he's what put me onto it. I've tried it a little bit. It's good. I like it too. Yep. Uh, because you got you got a bigger screen than my little Etrex thirty. <laughs> the Etrex thirty is old. <laughs> yeah. And you can yes. zoom, and you can you can because of the way you can manipulate the screen on your phone, it's so much easier. Agreed. Um, yeah, the sixty-six isn't that much big, ain't that much bigger either. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I use Alti Log for. Uh, uh, I think I use paper logging for my first twenty activations, and then I, when I discovered Alti Log, I just kept on going, never yeah. looked back. That's what I endorse. I mean, I don't use Alti Logger that much because I am a paper guy, but if I don't use paper, I. I uh, am definitely an outdeed log guy for sure. Yeah, there's something to be said about papers. A lot of people still swear by paper, um, and it's a good backup. Even though I've never I haven't had to use it for very many activations. Um, I see there's a there's a new log logger out as well, and right now it's kind of centered around parks on the air, but they're writing the module for 
uh, summits on the air too. And I understand it works pretty well. I can't remember the name of it, but it uh, uh, I don't believe that's it. It's only come out in like in the last three or four weeks. I started yeah. seeing something on it. I started seeing it too. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Ariel, there's a question in the chat from Dan, uh, AI6XG, uh, who we know. Uh, he says, how do, you, how do you measure your efficiency? Is it back-to-back -back transformers or one transformer with a load and figure out the voltage between the load and the port two? Whatever that means. You can do it with both. I've done, I've done it both ways. You get slightly different answers because there's coupling that takes place when you have the transformer back to back they couple with each other and so depending on how they couple you sort of have to spread them apart so i've done it both ways but now i think my, i'm sticking to the resistor method where you have a uh, my uh, my transformer or a transformer hooked up to uh, and you can pick um i've been picking either 2470 um, ohms or 3200 ohms. 3200 is nice and convenient because it's a thousand kilo ohm resistor with a 2200 kilo 2200 ohm resistor in series. And uh, what you do is you, your your insertion loss is a combination of your load, which is your like a simulation of your antenna, and uh, and the loss in the transformer, but the one you think you have to be careful of is there's a mismatch loss you have to account for because of the mismatch, the through power that goes through the transformers different than if there's no mismatch. So you have to sort of account for the mismatch loss and make sure your accounting is only what's transmitted through the transformer versus, um, yes, what's transmitted through the transformer in what's what's lost to heat in the core. Okay. I, I, I don't know if I answered the question He'll let us know. Sufficiently. I think you probably did, but he'll let us know. Just just a quick comment too that uh, new logger is called Ham RS and uh, I did see a, a, a YouTube video on it and it looks pretty interesting so far. Oh, might be worth investigating. Yeah. Well, I just got my, uh, I'm into ultra lightweight backpacking too. So I got a new backpack today. It just came in the mail. It's made by a, a little uh, company in Utah called Waymark. And uh, the pack is 38 liters and weighs a pound. Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. I just bought a pack uh, yesterday. <laughs> a brand new one. It replaced the one I have. I went from, from uh, what is it? from five pounds to four pounds. <laughs> so you still got me beat by quite a bit. <laughs> and that's just a pack, right? That's just the pack. Yeah. I'm not quite ultra yet. I'm, I'm still, I'm still working on getting down from the 50, 40 or 45 pound packs down to something more reasonable. Right. Well, these days, those, those through hikers are there. A lot of them, you, you see what they carry around and they, they're carrying these carbon fiber packs. They call it, it's called Dyneema. It's a DCF, Dyneema carbon fiber. Wow. Very strong, very light. Huh. They yeah. make tents out of it too. They make a two-person tent that's also a pound. A Z-Pax makes one. I don't have that yet. It's too expensive. Yeah, all the ultralight stuff, it really gets their price, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll, I'll get there eventually, I think. I really do. I'm interested in ultralight, but right now I'm just going to go with light. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, me too. My 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 tent is um, not borderline ultralight. It's less than two pounds. It's two person tent that I carry for backpacking. That's amazing. Yeah. And by the way, Dan says you did answer his his question thoroughly. Yep. Okay, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for the feedback. I was going to say the uh, ultralight pretty much ultralights your wallet. It, it does. It's like a huge vacuum cleaner. It's almost like the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have this new model now. When I was doing my mountain goat, it was points before joints. Need no explanation on that one, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's joints. I, I, I'm really my my time now uh, base weight without graded gears 13 pounds I use a Z oh hey Ariel you're uh, there's a lot of latency right now I wonder if there's uh, somebody using the internet besides you uh, their house your house right now because uh, we, we've lost you. Yeah, a little instability. Instability. We're, we don't hear anything uh, from you right now. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll just read a slide for it. Read his slides for him until he stabilizes. Okay. Can you? I can. You're, just, you're popping in and out, probably. Ten percent. Every once in a while, we'll hear hear you say a word or two, Ariel. But other than that, it's just you're kind of frozen and no audio. But we we love the joints for before points model. <laughs> I still have not gotten a, a rain jacket, so I've the only thing I've gotten my pack for that is a trash bag. So <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm the house. There we go. If it stabilizes some, let me there know. There we go. You're stable now. Okay, good. I'll stay at this place then. Okay. So we heard about your joints uh, before points, and then uh, that's when you started cutting out. Oh, no. Still no. You're, uh, you're, we lost you again. So we've got the, what we have here is the there I'm we getting closer to my router. Okay, there you go. We're back in. Okay. Yep. Tell you, I should be close to my router now. You, I'm you, traveling inside yep, the house. Yep, you are. You're, we can hear. We can. Uh, you're. You're back online. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, the, maybe your wife. Maybe your wife was going and doing some uh, online shopping or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in my attic room now in my house. Wow. So I was, I was trying to run down my uh, what's in my ultralight backpack that uh -huh. I use for backpacking. And uh, I use a down quilt that's good 20 degrees, that's a pound. Um, REI rain jacket, that's a pound. Uh, an REI flash air two tent, that's two pounds. Inflatable mattress is pound titanium pot uh, Sawyer water filter system. Oh, 
I recommend the Sawyer. I use it as well. I have that. Yeah, as well. I think a lot of people use the Sawyers. They're really convenient. The one thing you have to watch with with those is when it gets really cold, you have to keep them warm, warm because when they freeze, they don't work. Yeah, so you just go to bed with it, huh? Right, and keep it keep it next to your quilt. <clears throat> and of course, I carry lighting. My headlamp is always a necessity. I always carry one, whether it's a day hike. You just never know when you run out of daylight at the end of the day. Yep. I for sure always carry one too, day and night. So do you carry one that's uh, rechargeable or do you carry ones that are use the like AAA batteries? I use the ones with AAA batteries and I carry extra AAA batteries with me because if you have to recharge them, you have to wait for them to recharge. And so it's better to have the instant power of a replacing replacement battery than, than waiting for it to recharge if you ever run out of power. Yeah, and a couple of sets of AAA batteries really don't weigh anything, so. Yeah, I always carry an extra set of AAAs just in case. Um, and of course, my I take my LNR. The, the weight has gone up from the 3B to the 4B. The, the 3Bs were really light. They're like 270 grams. And the 4B is like maybe a couple ounces more. And then I just have my, my antenna, which is reasonably light. By the time I get everything together um, with the radio gear and my, and my, uh, and what's my loadout for my, my, my backpack, it's probably going around maybe 16 pounds. That's for an overnight. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's really good. I know there's a few people in the chat room who are like, Oh yeah, I do that too. But for most of us commoners, that's a really good. Yeah. It's just that my, my joints are not as healthy as they once were ones were. Yeah. You know, that's kind of why I'm doing it too. Why I'm kind of backing out on the weight a little bit, backing down on the weight is because I'm just getting old and my bones are getting creaky and I just, I just can't, I can't handle the weight like I used to. And I'm only, in, I'm only 50. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you get to be my age, Charlie. <laughs> How old is that? Oh, just a mere fifty-eight. So I'm I'm creeping up on it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I believe I'm sixty-two now. You're this not sure a, though, huh? Yeah, I'm not. I, I I refuse to give out my age. I I I will be sixty-three in in April in a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. There's a shot of me going up high rock in the snow. I love winter, winter um, activations. I like them too. Yeah. Well, it looks like Q&A, huh? Uh, come on, chat room, if you got any questions for him. I actually have a few questions for you. Uh, uh, we didn't talk, unless you do you have more, uh, Ariel? No, I don't have any more. That's my last. I, I wanted to ask you about the antenna a little bit more. And I wanted to ask okay. you about your woodworking. Um, so about the antenna. I, uh, you have a place where people can buy those, right? Right. I have a website, ny4gnfedhalfway.com. And there's a, it's a nice commercial website. You, there are descriptions for each antenna that's available, uh, whether it's uh, in stock, whether it's sold out or not. Um, so people right. can go to that, ny4gnfedhalfway.com. 
Okay, N N Y four G half N it's like N Y four G E F H W dot com, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I went on that website and I looked at it, and so you you offer all different kinds of variations to uh, that uh, that uh, antenna that you use or that you made. Right. There's there's uh, the standard that kind of runs right around a hundred dollars or so, right? Right. And, and then uh, you can you can add a bunch of different. Uh, add-ons if you want to do 80 meters for example then you you have some a coil for that and so right. forth all different kinds of packages right right and there's a 60 meter 60 meters is really popular with soda guys mm -hmm. and so i make these uh, 60 meter extensions and that only add 10 feet to the overall length of the antenna and so it's still reasonably compact um, although the full length extension for 60 meters without the coil is only 20 feet so Maybe you're just buying 10 feet of length. Okay, what about woodworking? I mean, obviously you implemented that into your your antenna because it's made, the, the antennas that you're selling are made with beautifully done woodwork. Yeah, so because I enjoy working with wood so much, um, there's a few aluminum pieces and epoxy that hold things together, but they're not really meant for permanent outdoor installations. So you have sort of have to, take care of them and um, I mean if they get wet it's fine it's just when you when they get exposed to long periods of rain that's that's not good for them yeah so woodworking wise I'm um, I, I've been doing woodworking since I was a teenager and uh, and back in 2005 I, I built my house and that became a big woodworking project I did <laughs> oh, I, I just did woodworking I just did my house so I did all most of my uh, cabinets and uh, uh, j just about all the finished carpentry plus tile work, all that stuff. And then I got into rocking chairs. Um, I took an apprentice class with a local ch master chair maker in Pickens, South Carolina. And he taught me how to build rocking chairs. And I, I did that for, um, I just built maybe five of them and sold them. I, I kept two for myself or one for myself. Rocking chairs are a real challenge, especially things like Windsor's and stuff like that. Those, those are really difficult to do. Yeah. My, the genre that I, that I do is the Sam Maloof style. I don't know if you know about Sam Maloof. He's a woodworker from California. Hmm. I visited his shop uh, a couple of years ago. He died at the age of 94. He was still woodworking at the age of 90. Uh, he Just about close to his death, he was still woodworking. So um, his chairs made it to president's office, offices like Clinton and Reagan have some of his chairs. Wow, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't know about him. Uh, let, let me just uh, real quickly mention to those who, of you who are watching live in the chat, uh, if you have a question, now's your opportunity. Uh, and then we'll, I'll turn some time over to Dan and, Bri and Brian to see if they have any questions while you guys are pondering what you're going to ask in the chat. So I've got a question. So um, definitely not on the uh, portable, ultra portable side. So I noticed that you did a hex beam uh, project as well. And uh, I really like how you used the... Uh, uh, Used UHMW to take and actually mount it onto your onto your deck. That's uh, a pretty cool idea. I wish I had a deck like that to connect oh, something you, like that too. So you but, saw uh, that that's in my blog. Yes, yeah, so it's a great antenna. 
Yeah, I love the hex beam. Um, that was my main DXing antenna. That's what I used for the DX Marathon in 2016. Yeah, I like um, how you changed it up to use more lightweight components and then uh, use the collapsible uh, crappie poles and things like that uh, so that it's uh, you know easily torn down and, and you can take it with you if you want to. Yeah, that's the engineer in me looking for problems to solve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. That you, but my deck is only nine feet wide, um, and so it was born out of necessity. I had to make it collapsible to in order for a twenty-two foot uh, diameter hex beam to fit onto a nine nine foot wide deck. Um, Oh, it and looks great. Once it's over the deck, it's fine because it clears the roof line. But when I lower it to do maintenance on it, then if I collapse it, then I can I can work on it. Yeah, that looks really really nice. So that's uh, that's a great idea to uh, use the fishing poles and and everything. So it was a very interesting uh, project on your blog. Yeah, I've also taken that hex beam on portable operations on Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, because it's so, it was so light. I think that my, uh, my antenna only weighs 12 pounds without the mass, just the antenna by itself. Yeah. UHMW is a wonderful material to work with too, especially if you got woodworking tools. Yeah. It's very easily machined by woodworking equipment. All right. There are a couple of questions in, oh, go ahead, Brian. I was going to ask Ariel. So I see you have DXCC on 160. That's my current obsession is trying to get there myself from Arizona. Difficult task. What do you use? Um, I use a, uh, uh, my antenna is a vertical. It's an inverted L over a folded counterpoise. It was uh, an antenna invented by a ham in North Carolina, K2AV. Okay. And for some reason, I don't know if it's accident or he um, he had he made a counterpoise arrangement of 130 feet of wire wrapped um, in a special configuration right underneath the antenna, and okay. uh, and somehow the the ground the ground system works to give that sufficient efficiency efficiency to be a competitive antenna for top band. Oh, cool. Okay, he's very oh. loud in top band in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I'm running a, a, a DX Engineering 43-foot vertical, and I built a, a matching network for it out of a QST article. And since I got that matching network done, I, I managed to work 40 countries on, on 160. I'm up to 70 confirmed now. Yeah, 160 meters is a very challenging um, endeavor. A lot of late nights, yes. even for me on the East Coast, trying to get the Russians and the uh, um, I guess if you're coming from going from the West Coast, you have far better access to to the Far East, Japan yeah. and South Korea. Yeah, the generally the windows here for Europe, I seem to get these little spotlight openings between uh, like 10 p.m. local and about 1 a.m. That's when I've worked Europe, and then usually about 4:30, 5 o'clock in the morning uh, our time, I start seeing uh, Southeast Asia and that sort of thing. And then early evening around the gray line, uh, South America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's in 160 meters is a very interesting band. Um, it's been fun. Yeah. 
Um, so 30 more countries to get to 100 at this point? Yep, 30 more countries to get to 100, and then I'll have DXCC on everything except for 12 and 30 meters. Yeah, 30 meters is, is a challenge too. Uh, with the with the sunspots the way they are, 12 meters is kind of hard right now. It won't be it won't be easy again until a few years from now. Yeah, yeah, 19 countries to go on that band. All right, uh, Ariel, there's three questions so far in the chat that we'll kind of knock through and then uh, see if any more pop up after that. And then uh, I think we'll be done. Okay. Uh, so one question is, what was your most difficult activation? And uh, for some, it's on the air, I'm assuming. Most difficult activation. Um, a lot. I remember a lot of difficult activations. <laughs> Let's see, I'm trying to pick out the most difficult one. Probably um, there's this one community in, um, and it's, a it's in the private community, but it's a, it's a bushwhack. It's a Lickstone Bald in uh, North Carolina. That's because the bushwhack is so difficult. A lot of briars. A lot of briars. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, so the bushwhack, how, how long was the bushwhack? It wasn't terribly long, maybe a half mile. Right, but it's just very thick, thick uh, brush and stuff, huh? Thick uh, undergrowth. Yeah. Hanging rock is probably up there too because you had to crawl underneath uh, a rhododendron a lot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so a lot of crawling there. Um, but it's not as bad as what I've heard people do. Um, Mount Mingus or was it? And it's near Klingman's Dome. It's it took him three hours to cover a half mile. Uh, oh wow! I'm glad I wasn't part of that activation. Wow, yeah, that sounds like one you you'd want maybe want to pass over. All right. So, what was the most contacts you've got on an, any one of your single activations? Probably in the order of forty or fifty. Okay. So you just go up there and do your business for an hour or so, and then get her done, huh? Yeah, I average plop probably close to 30 per activation. Yeah. There are some, like Pat Harris will be there forever. He'll make 70, 90 contacts when he goes up there. Right. All right. Uh, then the other one is, what is your most fulfilling activation and uh, contact during an activation? So like, your, like uh, your, I guess your favorite. Well, he says most fulfilling activation, whichever summit that is. And then also the second part of that is uh, uh, most fulfilling contact during an activation. Well, the most fulfilling one was the, was the bike ride up to uh, Mount Mitchell uh, because of the, it's, it's something different and unique and just being able to get to the top was an accomplishment. And then uh, there was one I was on um, either, I think maybe a Panther Mountain on a bushwhack with Pat Harris and Scott. And I got called from Z ZL1 BYZ. Yeah. Uh, just about jumped out of my seat there when I, ZL1, <laughs> there's a ZL1 calling me. So uh, that was, that was quite a surprise. I was very pleased with that. Yeah. He had since called me about a handful of times. So, right. That, that first, first time, though, right? That first time is, is something else. Yeah, cool. 
All right. Well, you know, we don't have any more questions in the chat. Um, very interesting. I got to say, Ariel, you're you're a yeah. very interesting person. Go ahead, Brian. I was I was just chiming in. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, let's see, uh, Ariel. We're gonna wrap it up here. Um, the only thing I wanted to do was mention before we close, uh, there uh, is a new mountain goat that uh, kind of slipped underneath the, the radar, AG4VA. Uh, Alan got his mountain goat on March 22nd, which was, I don't know, a few weeks ago. So we want to congratulate Alan. And, uh, you know, I try to do my best to keep up on, on uh, new mountain goats and new uh, super sloths. I don't always do the best. So if you happen to know of somebody who who achieved mountain goat or super sloth, uh, go ahead and send me an email, and we'll make sure we mention them here and congratulate them. So Alan, congratulations! Uh, quite a task to to get to mountain goat, and so you did it. Good job. Uh, so with that, next week we don't have our guest booked yet. So. Uh, I was planning on going with Brian and a couple other guys to do a backpacking trip uh, to Rivas Ranch out in the Superstition Wilderness, and so we were going to not do a, a a show, or I just kind of, you know, we were going to be out of town that day, but uh, we canceled the backpacking trip, so we are uh, we're open. So if you guys, I think what we'll do maybe is uh, let Dan or Brian decide maybe a topic, or maybe if you guys have... Uh, a topic that you want us to discuss send me an email and uh, we'll we'll put something together for you we got two weeks so we'll we won't have a guest I don't think or maybe we will I don't know I guess what I'm saying is we don't know what we're gonna do yet so uh, there is one more question here let's see from Lynn and Lee what is your most unique encounter during an activation like what did you what have you encountered that was like odd or strange or unique well I haven't encountered any animals like a bear or a snake yet which is I'm not asking to encounter one. Um, it's you've been you've been safe, huh? You've been, you've kind of flied under the radar and haven't really had any anything all that odd. No, nothing not, nothing out of the ordinary in terms of anything strange. It's just normal people on on that's on on a hike and just run into people that are mostly normal. So I haven't had anything strange pop into my mind that's sort of noteworthy. Okay, Ariel. Well, good. Thanks for answering those questions. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Ariel. Uh, and we've, uh, we're, we're, we're very lucky to have you. Uh, like I said a minute ago, you have a very interesting life and have done a lot of very interesting things. Uh, go ahead and send me some of your information, your that uh, slide deck maybe, and then I'll, I'll grab your uh, YouTube channel and your blog, and we'll put that up. I actually think I already have that in the notes, both of those links, but we'll make sure they're there. Uh, you guys watching, go ahead and check out uh, Ariel, and, and uh, I think you'll be fascinated by some of the things he's he's experienced and done. So with that, I think we're going to call it good. We're going to say 73 to everybody. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in a two weeks. Thank you too, Charlie. 73, everyone. Bye, everybody. See you later. Stop sharing.